0: Hello and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information services provider for emerging markets executives. We partner with business leaders at over 200 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools, and data that help power their emerging markets business strategies. My name is Mark McNamee, and I'm the Senior Europe Analyst here at our London office for Frontier Strategy Group, and I'll be moderating today's podcast. Today, we will discuss Western Europe's outlook for this year, 2017, with a little view into 2018 as well, uh, with our analyst who covers Western Europe, Ethanasia Kilkino-Yeni, who has recently published our Western Europe quarterly market review for the second quarter of this year, which then presents our view for the coming quarter for Q3. As a reminder, this report, as well as all of our content, is available via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. So, Ethanasia. hello, how are you today? I'm very well, very well in the work. thank you. Good. So, just to uh, start things off, I, I figure we should do a bit of a sort of a recap. We're at about the midpoint here in 2017. Uh, you know, everything we saw for the last year, going back to middle of last year and late last year, uh, was 2017 was kind of noted as the year of political risk in Western Europe. And a lot of question marks there were, of course. Uh, we're about halfway through, so... Uh, Can you give us a little bit of a a recap and, and in general, your view of, uh, I guess, how you evaluate the political risk nowadays uh, in Western Europe in terms, of course, on its impact on the business environment?
1: Yes. So, Mark, something we can say is that things have changed for the positive compared to the previous quarter related to political risk. As political risk has subsided and it supports a relative upswing for the region. Let's share more details about it. Uh, So the outcome of a series of elections uh, was the best possible and it actually prevented a downside for the weak financial sector we have in Western Europe and generally for the economic outlook in the region. Uh, Let's start with the first elections we saw this year, the Dutch elections in March 15, where the pro-business candidate Mark Rutte uh, defeated the populist builders, and uh, of course uh, we saw the headlines about a possible collapse of the European Union's reducing a lot uh, until actually early May, where uh, we had the French presidential elections. The French presidential elections were a high uh, risk election for the region and. Uh, It could have quickly generated a downside, as we have said, and also the media had said, with negative spillover effects across the whole EMEA region. However, we saw that the pro-business Macron, who is a moderate reformist, defeated the populist far-right candidate Marine Le Pen. Going uh, forward, uh, we expect Macron to get close to a majority in the parliamentary elections in France that are coming on June 18, or even we would see Macron secure a full majority in the parliamentary elections and uh, in this case we would see him putting forward pro-growth reforms he had committed to which could take place by 2022 and would in general improve the general sentiment and confidence not only for france but also across western europe some of his policies would include uh, some necessary spending cuts, along with a stimulus package which focuses more on education, medical innovation, and clean energy. These are potentially sectors that our clients would see more opportunities going forward. Macron has committed also to reduce the corporate tax from 333 today to 25% by 2020, and also implement some liberal reforms that would facilitate hiring and firing. This would, of course, help the private sector in France. We also have to note that uh, we've seen uh, the euro appreciating uh, since then. After the positive outcome in the Dutch elections and the French elections, actually the euro is at uh, 0.89 today and it started at 0.95 in January. So we do believe in general that the course of these positive outcomes in elections we continue. We have in the end of September also another key election for the region in Germany, the federal elections, where we do believe that uh, Angela Merkel will get re-elected and uh, she's likely to form a similar coalition of what is in place today uh, with uh, the Socialist Party. And we don't think that there will be much of a change in terms of policies in Germany for now. Our clients would expect business as usual in Germany.
0: Okay, so for all that talk, it seems like things have, you know, calmed down. or There's a lot less risk. You know, we got sort of the best case scenario for you know, in terms of the impact on the business environment. When you look at the Dutch elections, when you look at the French elections, look like the risk is is sort of moderated qu- considerably. Looking at the German elections, um, so should we sort of just forget about political risk then for the rest of 2017 here?
1: Um, so not exactly so what we repeatedly repeatedly say to our clients to watch out for uh, in the second half of 2017 is Italy. And why is that? It is because Italy continues to have a muted outlook going forward and has one of the weakest banking sectors in the region and is lagging behind in implementing reforms. Uh, so we need to keep in mind that uh, snap elections become more of a possibility for Italy going forward in uh, the last quarter of the year. After the four Prime Minister uh, Matteo Renzi won in end of May the primary of the Democratic Party, and he is trying to push more for snap elections. Uh, The populist anti-Euro five-star movement could win, however, most of the votes in this snap election. So this scenario could create some contained market panic going forward.
0: Okay, so so clearly... uh, there's, there won't be an absence of political risk going forward. So think, things have, have been quite good for the first six months of the year. Going forward, there's clearly some concerns. So this is focused on Italy, it sounds like. Um, so tell me more about the snap elections and you know, potential scenarios, I suppose, uh, following that.
1: Yeah, so this is an interesting scenario for Western Europe. So in in case we see a snap elections in Italy and the five-star movement winning most of the votes... We will definitely see a hit in confidence uh, in the region, followed followed by losses of Italian and Western Europe bank shares. However, we do believe that this crisis will be contained, and this is because of three reasons. Primarily, the five-star movement party is unlikely to govern. First of all, the five-star movement would need to secure a majority in the next elections or in, in a potential stamp election, and a uh, majority now is at 40% for any party. For any party to secure uh, more than 40% is very difficult currently in uh, the Italian political landscape and this is because there are many parties in the parliament currently and the electorate is very divided. Uh, So majority is very difficult in other words. So then, what is the next possible scenario for the winning party? Is the formation of a coalition, right? From the one side, the Democratic Party, which is currently ruling, welcomes coalitions, compared to the Five Star Movement, which oppose any kind of coalition. And on top of this, the rest of the parties in the Parliament oppose any collaboration with the Five Star Movement. So this means, overall, that the Five Star Movement stands low chances of governing, and uh, we do believe that this will limit the political risk uh, going forward, and we expect that any crisis will be contained.
0: Okay. Well, then that makes sense, because it seems strange that uh, Matteo Renzi, who was ousted late last year, would want to call snap elections when it seems that his party wouldn't even win the majority of the vote, uh, as a, and instead the... You know, the five star movement would. So this makes sense then. if his party would in the end ultimately govern. And that's why he's confident to to maybe provoke early elections. So, okay. so so going with what you said, then there is it seems like there is a limited political risk, which would then which then limits the potential for the financial risk, which with all the banking sector issues we've seen in Italy. Um, So do you not expect a banking crisis then coming here in the next year or so?
1: So yes, that's right. We don't expect a full-blown banking crisis coming from Italy and spreading across Western Europe. We've reduced actually the likelihood for this event below 10% going forward. This doesn't mean, however, that we shouldn't expect like sensationalist headlines in the media about this event and uh, some volatility, short-term volatility in the financial markets. We need, uh, however, to Keep still in mind that both the Eurozone and the Italian, of course, banking sector is very weak. And the high non-performing loans uh, continue to be high, although they're still declining. And the banking reforms continue to be slow.
0: Okay, so avoiding a crisis, but obviously the banking sector still is in a pretty tough spot. Um, Okay, so we talked about some of the major countries, talked about Italy here. Things seem to be going clearly in the right direction h one I think we you know we saw better performance you know economically politically clearly uh than the, a lot of the doomsday sayers had had maybe thought um so then looking at growth do you do you expect maybe a pickup going forward maybe some acceleration in growth now that some of these risk factors have been uh moderated or or maybe even eliminated
1: hmm so yes mark that that's a good question. there are some positive developments as we mentioned already that in general, are helping the outlook, but uh, the structural problems still exist, still persist, and uh, that's why we don't believe that there will be an acceleration in the region. Uh, would you like us first to start uh, mentioning the positive developments and uh, then uh, highlight which factors prevent the upside?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's let's start with the positive developments. It's been been quite some time since we're getting positive headlines out of Europe, so please go ahead.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Western Europe, like our at- outlook for Western Europe, is that the region will grow at about 1.6% on year-on-year terms. We do have to keep in mind that this is a significant number, and the size of the market is big. Let's let's see what uh, happened since last quarter. So, overall, bank lending has improved, both consumer and business bank lending, and this is related to less economic, political, and credit risk as we mentioned before, and uh, all this have helped towards this positive direction. We had uh, several recapitalization of uh, weak banks, especially in Italy, and also we had an agreement between Greece and creditors, along with a continuous support of liquidity by the European Central Bank that has continuously supported confidence in the market. Related to the euro, uh, we've seen a weaker euro compared to last year, which has helped uh, exports, especially in the first uh, half of the year. And uh, we saw a boost uh, in manufacturing and industrial production as as a result. And this contributed to a decline in unemployment, a slow decline in unemployment but still significant, and also in a decline in corporate debt which is important in general uh, for the region. Additionally, we saw consumer demand gradually strengthening uh, because of a decline in unemployment Uh, as also tourism strengthened. And tourism strengthened not only in the south, but across the region, and this is related to a weaker currency. We saw also e-commerce becoming more and more important for our clients, and as it has become uh, an important channel for sales in the region. Um, additionally, we saw an improvement also coming from consumer prices compared to last year. And uh, uh, this improvement isn't only related to the higher energy prices, but is also related to um, strengthening coming from the demand side. And this is, of course, positive news for our clients, as uh, it means that uh, it could help them with their margins.
0: Mm-hmm. Good, right. All right. So good. Very, very positive news, clearly. Uh, what about some of the negative sides of this uh, the economic story here? I know it's not all uh, only positive news, of course.
1: Yeah, of course. So we come back to your question. Why we don't we see an acceleration for economic growth in the region? So, principally, uh, the main determinant for growth in the region is consumer demand, as we say, and uh, the main driver of consumer demand is unemployment. If we check at unemployment levels, uh, despite the improvements, unemployment remains high in the region, and especially in the south, in Spain, Greece, and then, of course, Italy. Um, And unemployment is a great hindrance to growth in the region. But why don't we see unemployment declining faster, right? This is a valid question. And this is primarily because businesses still feel unconfident to borrow and invest in the market, to increase their capacity and hire more. And this is ongoing since the 2008-2009 financial crisis. There is also um, uh, corporate pressure for uh, companies to deleverage in the region and cut their costs. Uh, so this is com- coming from the demand side. So from the supply side um, of, the, of the bank lending if you can say, we have the weak banks that block an acceleration in business bank lending and also investment which could create an upside for the region with positive spillover effects. The low interest rates uh, and the uh, European Central Bank's monetary policy generally hurts the profitability of these banks, which fail to provide enough liquidity to the market. Uh, So another important point, uh, apart from demand and uh, supply-side pressures to bank lending, is the slow pace of reforms in the region. Labour and banking reforms are very essential, uh, to stimulate growth, um, and only with an acceleration of this, we will see things getting substantially better—not minimally better—as we've seen right now. Mm-hmm.
0: So muddling through, but a, a little bit stronger, a little less risk factors. So, okay, so so things generally look good. This is a pretty high macro level, though. So let's let's dig a little bit deeper. So, to, my last question to sort of end the the podcast here. Clearly, we're not seeing massive growth going forward. Um, but if we dig deeper into this economic story, where are some of the clear growth sectors? So, what are, do you have any additional insights on maybe those sectors that you anticipate will perform better than others in the rest of this year uh, and, and that our clients should pay closer attention to?
1: Yeah, so of course, there are opportunities. Um, from, uh, uh, from a sector perspective in the region. Uh, the primary sector that we will see opportunities uh, is the retail sector. As we said, consumer spending is a traditional driver of growth in the region. And uh, although the retail sector has been weakened after the financial crisis, it continues to be the backbone of the Western European economy. So our clients find more and more opportunities in e- and m-commerce, as it's called, mobile commerce. And uh, this is something our clients uh, keep on and should allocate more resources on going forward, as we see significant growth through this channel in the near term for Western Europe. However, um, we need to note here that firms should exercise caution. As market conditions improve, we expect to see fiercer competition in the market. And uh, in this intense competition environment, um, some uh, things that businesses could follow is that they could invest more in establishing their brand, Um, they should invest more in knowing their customers well and uh, segmenting um, their markets uh, would be useful in terms of income, preferences, trends, etc. Another uh, uh, important, uh, let's say, useful suggestion is the expansion of the available channels for our markets in order for them to secure the largest possible market share. And also, innovation uh, still uh, is important for the market. And uh, um, clients are clients that continuously innovate and offer high-quality products and solutions will make gains on um, the improvements in the retail sector. Apart from the retail sector, also the technology sector Will continue to benefit from the trends and the developments in the region, and uh, um, we will see uh, technology solutions related to data um, and innovation, and uh, we will see developments technology uh, technology sector solutions. Uh, especially in the banking sector, where we see an ongoing transformation with ongoing recapitalizations across Western Europe
0: mm-hmm. right and the stability of the banking sector is clearly uh, central to western europe 's uh, general growth so um, opportunities there and, and the conti- and, and clients need to monitor the the banking sector uh, to ensure continued uh, stable Uh, predictable growth in the region. So, okay, great. Thanks a lot uh, for all the information there. Athanasia, very insightful. uh, I'm sure it'll be useful for our clients uh, as well. Uh, As a reminder to our clients, you can speak with Athanasia, with myself, Mark McNamee, or any of our other FSG analysts by simply reaching out via your client relationship manager directly. You can also access FSG's reports on Western Europe and our monthly market monitor reports on our website at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. This concludes our podcast. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance in your emerging and developed markets.